The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing page optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome back, loyal listeners, to another edition of LPO, Landing Page Optimization. I'm your host, Tim Ash, the chairperson of the Conversion Conference and CEO of SiteTuners. Uh, this week, my guest is Scott Gunter, the COO of Usability Sciences. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, so for those of our audience that are not familiar with Usability Sciences, can you just give us a quick overview of what your company does? Yeah, absolutely. We've been in business for 27 years doing user experience and usability research, dating back to when... We evaluated green screens and DOS through software and now certainly into the to the mobile and web world. So we, we are a research-focused uh, services organization. Fantastic. Well, uh, obviously, there's a huge overlap, or at least in my mind, there should be a huge overlap between conversion rate optimization and usability. Uh, but specifically, let's focus on the the research aspect. I mean, what what are the typical goals of projects that you do? Most of the projects we do are typically going to be, you know, evaluating whether it's new designs, prototypes, etc. You know, before they start to build everything behind it, and so in that type of research, our customers are trying to understand: are are, are they getting the interface side of it correct? Because certainly. There's a lot of money saved when you fix the interface problems before you build the back end. And in doing that, we're trying to understand, is it, you know, as it relates to conversion, are are the participants and certainly the visitors going to be able to uh, convert on the site in the most efficient and most enjoyable manner? Okay, so so if we were to build a whole software application or a website or an online user experience, that's going to be very expensive. And, of course, there are going to be problems with it. You know, there's all kinds of assumptions and things we didn't foresee. So what you're saying is it's a lot easier to test rough prototypes of it or maybe even, you know, fairly polished prototypes of it at the beginning, get that feedback, incorporate that in before you actually build it and launch it. Absolutely. I mean, there's a saying of test early, test often. And, and there's all sort of quantification that sits out there that says, you know, if you find a problem and when it's a screenshot or a, a wireframe, you know, the cost to, to fix that's a dollar. Whereas you wait till it's in production, it's in thousands of dollars, if not, you know, higher numbers there. So it's absolutely a, a scenario. That's right. Yeah. Test early and test often. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that. I, I can't impress that enough. It's basically the earlier you catch a problem in the process, the cheaper it is, and then the cost goes up almost exponentially because once it's in a live system, you have to bring things down, you have to rewrite software, you have to make sure that you understand the impacts on every piece of the website or web experience or back-end stuff that that touches. So it gets really, really nasty in a hurry, which is why maintaining large software systems is often a nightmare, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and you didn't even mention the political uh, side of it. 
<laughs> yeah, someone's going to have very expensive egg on their face if they let uh-huh. it get that far. And if it could have been avoided, why not? And of course, the, not only from just a, a cost savings, but what we're doing in a way in conversion rate optimization is focusing on the needs of the visitors. And if you include them earlier in the process in the form of feedback or interactions with your prototypes, that's, uh, that's basically in the, in the spirit of what you'd be doing later with much more expensive split testing. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think the conversion industry and then what we do in the user experience research space, I mean, there's just such significant overlap. I mean, we are all, you know, we're all after the same thing, right? We're all trying to get the customers, visitors to convert. That's right. So you want a better user experience and that leads to better conversion because their expectations are being met. Yep, absolutely. All right, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what fidelity you need in these prototypes to actually push out in front of people. I mean, when you say, you know, use user research and prototyping to people, they go, oh, well, that's only for giant companies with giant budgets. Uh, I know that, for example, uh, Steve Krug, uh, who's keynoted at the Conversion Conference and wrote the fantastic book, uh, Don't Make Me Think, and Rocket Surgery Made Easy, uh, he's a huge exponent of kind of informal usability testing. So how formal do you have to be? How detailed and functional do your website prototypes have to be? That's a great question. You know, often our customers think it has think believe that it has to be more functional than it really does. I mean, we have literally tested things that were scratch, you know, written on scratch paper in front of the user. It it really doesn't matter because you know we've tested it from being a, a, a wireframe, a screenshot, PowerPoint slides, uh, a printout. It, it doesn't matter because it's it's really about understanding. Now, certainly, you you. You can only go as deep into the experience as the you know the prototype allows, but it can really come in any form. I would say that most of our uh, the situations we're in, it's at least a a screenshot of what the page may look like. Maybe so it's a it's a it's a visual mock-up, okay, right? Yeah, exactly, and that's typically. And so when you do that, it's more about understanding. Okay, if we say you're trying to do this on this page, show me how you would do that. All right, I would go here. Okay, well, what would you expect to see if you clicked on that or touched the, you know, tapped on the screen? And so you get a feel for kind of recreating the flow and, and expectations about that experience. So it's a, a lot more hand-holding, but still just, just extremely insightful. In terms of how formal it has to be, I mean, we're a third-party research company, so companies are hiring us to do research. So it's going to be more formal from the standpoint of a, you know, of a service offering. But certainly we encourage our customers, even when they're doing smaller research efforts, it doesn't have to be formal. Go grab your neighbors, bring them in the room, have them look, you know, have them look at the computer, give your thoughts on it. It doesn't have to be that formal every time. Right. And there are companies like user testing out there for, where you can set up tasks and have people go through an online experience or react to your website or your designs. Uh, and so you can hire essentially anonymous people for a few bucks each or you know, 50 right. bucks each to react to your designs. Right. So you don't even have to find the people. They'll find them for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's we encourage that. Uh, well, so, okay, so if it's, it can be low-fidelity prototypes, I mean, I think, you know, you heard it from, from Scott here, uh, directly from the horse's mouth, it don't make a big deal out of this. A little bit of something is better than a whole lot of nothing. So I think, you know, takeaway number one is just do it to steal Nike's uh, watchword or <laughs> carpe diem to go back to the Latin days, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, uh, people are, are, you know, and I think the world has really shifted to where there's a lot more people 
in the marketplace that that realize user experience. I and mean, we can thank Apple for, I think, a lot of that, that user experience can make or break your business. And so I think it's becoming a little more mainstream, certainly not as mainstream as we'd all like, because the more they focus on conversion and the experience, you know, the, the more enjoyable and, the, and, the, and just the, the better world we'll live in, right? Mm-hmm. So well, one thing I, w- I want to talk about when we're talking about web experiences is, of course, uh, the elephant in the room is, is mobile. Things are radically changing. It seems like there aren't a lot of uh, fixed conventions yet in terms of uh, how to create user interfaces for for smartphone websites, you know, for uh, mobile websites on phones. I'm not talking about applications. Uh, so uh, how, what kind of challenges the, does that present when two-thirds of emails are opened on, on mobile devices and half of them are open? Opened only on mobile devices. You know, it's it, it certainly is a big challenge, and and for us in this space and and thinking about conversion here, it's really awesome because what it's forcing all the all the designers really in the world is they're they're dealing with less real estate, and so they're forced to think through things. Whereas you know we've lived in a world for a very long time now where we have these large you know, sort of screen resolutions at our disposal to throw a lot of things at the user and the experience. And so it's forcing them to really think through the designs and and making sure that only the things that are necessary appear in that interface and that experience. And from a user experience perspective, less is usually better. And so I think it's a great Great problem and great stage to be at in in kind of the evolution. So, of technology. so, so it's kind of, it's kind of a um, it's kind of a, a discipline. I, I like to tell this story that, about Mark Twain, who was asked to speak at an event once, and he said, "Well, how long does my speech need to be?" And the event organizers asked him, "Why does that matter?" And he says, "Well, if it's an hour long speech, I'm prepared to give it now. If it's uh, a half hour speech, I'll need a week to prepare. And if you need a five minute speech, I'll need a month." Absolutely. Uh, in other yeah. words, editing is the hard part, editing it down, down in the essentials. And what I hear you saying is that small screens and a certain uh, discipline and rigor and economy that you're forced to work within. Absolutely. And I think it, it then couples with making sure you understand what is really going to happen. Yes, exactly. So we'll come back to that and whether it should be mobile first or uh, mobile side by side or whether it should be one experience spanning everything. Let's come back to that after our first commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. 
InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And this week, my guest is Scott Gunter, the CEO of Usability Sciences. Scott, so before the break, we're diving in on, on mobile. So there's this notion of, okay, economizing, creating tighter user interfaces. So uh, what about methodology? So let's say you want to have a mobile experience, and obviously the web slash tablet experience is still important, or tablet's a hybrid. Do you recommend doing the web experience first, the mobile experience first, trying to have one that spans both? Uh, what's the approach? Well, I, I do think it's business-specific and industry-specific. You know, the, the research actually I conducted here recently was, was with the commerce side, and they had to think about what does it mean to go from, from a, a web-based world to a mobile device? And so it's not as easy as saying, well, you know, we should focus on mobile first or we should focus on the desktop sort of web experience, you know, because what we found in this particular instance, and I think it's indicative of the marketplace, especially when you think about commerce, is, you know, you had users that said, hey, I, I like grabbing my phone. It's right next to me. I'll do some research for products, et cetera. But ultimately, when I buy or if I want to see larger product images, et cetera, I'm going to turn to my desktop or I'm going to turn to my laptop because it is ultimately quicker for me to complete the purchase. So I don't think it's, it's, it's as easy to say, let's start with mobile. We'll go out from there. I, I think you do really have brands really have to think about the total experience and how people traverse through each of those different channels. Okay, well, we'll come back to the notion of kind of omni-channel or cross-device uh, cross applications in a minute. But I, I want to first kind of still dig at this a little more. I mean, it seems to me that, you know, really, like you say, the screen size and the attention span of being in front of a, a desktop or a laptop is, is so different that uh, we kind of put them in different conceptual buckets from fiddling with our phone all day long. So it seems like uh, anything that's not a short, time-sensitive, location-based task, like you say, we're going to often defer to the desktop. So I, my, my perspective is regardless of whether you lead with mobile or lead with desktop, those two should be essentially thought of and designed completely separately, that uh, you shouldn't try to just like kind of do what I call responsive light and shove all of your desktop crap into a single column on a mobile device. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's some truth to that, Tim. I think the other piece of this that's important is you know the the experiences in in your customers are going to have had uh, experiences with both you know with your desktop and as well as your mobile and so you know what we see all the time is that we'll get into uh, an evaluation with with the brand's mobile site and the first things that start to pop up are participants saying you know they don't offer the ability to do X here for example. We had a customer where they you can't cancel an order on the mobile site, so you have to actually go to the full site on the mobile device, which is a horrible experience. And so with that being said, I do think that brands have to make sure 
that they're providing comparable experiences and comparable sort of options and capabilities regardless of what device they're on. Well, I think that that depends on the emphasis. Well, you mentioned e-commerce earlier. It seems like uh, if you're a brick-and-click retailer, in other words, you have both physical and online stores, that uh, I'm going to be using your mobile device to find locations, hours, maybe check availability of an item in a store. But like you say, I'm unlikely to go through a whole checkout process with forms and entering my credit card information on my phone. So uh, do you really have to have the same capability set? Or should um, you really think of it as rule of 80-20? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it has to be, you know, apples to apples. But, you know, we, we find, you know, it's it, it comes up in every study that we do, which pretty much I'll tell you, most studies we do, there's a mobile component to it, that we find that the customers really do want to have very similar experiences. Now, what they say and what they do, as we all know too well, isn't usually the same, but they do want to have those type of capabilities. Now, we go back to the earlier conversation about the the reduced real estate. That's where the challenge comes into play for designers and developers is how how do we achieve those needs of the customers? and the smaller real estate. And, and that's, a, that's, that's going to be a challenge that's not going away anytime soon. Okay, well, let's talk about this reality that people are not only hopping across devices all day long. Many times they're looking at two or three screens simultaneously. I find it a, a little bizarre, but I've been known to uh, work on my laptop and flip through my phone while watching a TV show, and I can only imagine what my kids are going to be doing when, when they get to that age. Yeah, you know, the, one of the things I've always stressed with our customers, especially when we talk about mobile, is is the context in which it's being used, the environment that they're in. You know, if you're not understanding where someone would take advantage of your your mobile website or your mobile app or any sort of channel that you have, then then you're missing out on a key element. Are they are they on the train to work? Are they sitting, as you mentioned, on the couch? Um, do they have another device sitting next to them that they're also referencing while they're watching TV? The context of use in that environment is so important in determining what's going to be the best way to present that experience to their customer. Okay, well, let, let's talk a little bit about that specifically. Like, How do you design for the in-betweens, the connections among the different device experiences? Well, you know, the great part of what we do is, is, is we stay out of the design part. You know, that's the, the unique thing that we do at Usability Sciences is we, we kind of keep that separation of church and state. And what I mean by that is, is we do the research. We're unbiased. We have no skin in the game. Um, we always tell our customers they know their business better than we do. But we're going to be the voice of the customer for you and let you know how your customers feel about it. With that being said, you know, uh, research is our game. And, and so doing that research and understanding all of the various contexts of use, and there's a lot of different methodologies to get at that, but it's really important, I think, to understand and inform those internal or agencies that are designing on behalf of the customer, you know, where is this being used? How are they using it? Whether it's a diary study or any sort of field research, you know, all the way through other types of, 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 of data collection techniques. Okay, so if we're, uh, but I think you don't want to, you could probably come up with some basic principles. I mean, I know you're saying you're diagnostic and not prescriptive, but still, if, you know, for, for our audience who's listening, how, what does it mean to have, you know, this, this holy grail of omni-channel, you know, perfect experience across every possible device or store context? What would mean, what are some basic guidelines for how to achieve that? 
Sure. Well, I think I think it starts with making sure you have a good journey map for your customer set. And whether that's derived from any sort of digital persona or overall personas, understanding the journeys in which your visitors go through is, is the first step and making sure you have a good feel for that. From there, that's going to be your roadmap to understanding, do they start on a mobile device? And then as we spoke earlier about go to the desktop? Do they start on the desktop? Do they go f- into a store if, if you have a retail location? And that's going to start to give you a picture as to what expectations they have. Then when you get to designing, that certainly gives you the ability to understand what are the what's the feature set that we need to allow for, which will then help lead the actual creative side of things to say, all right, if these are the five things we need to make sure are available to the user of this product or this asset, then then let's let's design based off of that. So I it, it really does, you know, I'm a firm obviously believer in research up front. And I think understanding the journey that they go through is the most critical piece and and having an effective design. Well I'm gonna recast it a little bit more in kind of the, the language that, that I would say, you know, come from, from my user centered design days at UC San Diego is uh, you know what we talk about are you know common scenarios and uh, those are composed of a role or of a person, you know, their relationship to your website, and then their intent or specific task on that visit. So um, mapping that is, is, is what you're talking about. You're not talking about kind of a persona of, you know, like uh, mid-market Mary lives in Soho and likes to go clubbing on the weekends, you know, not that kind of like ad agency bullshit. Right, right. All right. Well, we're talking about then roles and tasks and um, you know, trying to walk a mile in your visitor's shoes. We're going to be back after our next break and talk to Scott of his wino tendencies. I'm sorry. I mean winemaking tendencies right after this break from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. 
Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization, interviewing my guest, Scott Gunter, the CEO of Usability Sciences. Scott, I understand you're a bit of a winemaker, and I don't mean that you complain a lot. Yeah, you know, I, I got to the point where we were drinking enough wine where I thought, you know what, let me take a swing at making this myself. And and, and I have produced a handful of wines that I thought were drinkable, not not many that I would share outside of the family, but certainly helps feel. <laughs> so your, your family are kind of guinea pigs for inebriation, whether the quality is good or bad. It, it's all hooch. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, too, because I, I made some wine a while back, probably three years ago, and, and, and a couple weeks ago, my father-in-law called and said, hey, I had that wine, and it was really good, and I thought, that's been spoiled. Non-commercial <laughs> wine doesn't last that long. I said, why did you drink that? Are you sick? Like, you need to keep an eye on things, because that, that, you should have threw that, thrown that away two years ago. So it's not a perfect science by any stretch of the imagination. All right. Well, what varietals are you uh, are you partial to? You know, I'm partial to red, but red's a lot harder to make. So I've you know done more dessert based wine, ports, uh, ice wines, things that have a higher sugar content because those tend to mask any sort of uh, hobby based wine making. The imperfections that come with <laughs> you know making making literally making wine in your bathtub. <laughs> Okay, I have. I hope you have a, a a very clean, conscientious maid or something that comes in before and after each of those winemaking sessions. Yeah, I would like to think so, but you know, I I usually have to do a major cleaning afterwards, or I get in a lot of trouble in the house. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, the boss uh, tells you when you do something wrong. Absolutely right. We all have a boss. Yeah. Well, uh, let, let's let's talk a little bit about you. Know, you said there's there's lots of uh, ways to do usability research, and I mean, short of of course, if you need professional help, which I do, but but uh, you're not a psychiatrist, so that's not available. No, but if they need professional help, of course, they can turn to companies like yours. But if we're talking about this informal getting started, showing the value of usability research, what kind of modalities or modes of collecting feedback are the easiest to get started with? Well, you know, you mentioned earlier usertesting.com is, is one that we, we know a lot of folks in the industry will use. It's a, it's a very quick and dirty way to, to get insights. You know, where that, that's, one, that's one certain methodology. There's also the very informal. There is, you know, the informal method of even having colleagues, coworkers, friends, family say, hey, take a look at this. Give me a few moments to, to, to gauge your thoughts on the experience, what you like, what you don't like. And you can get a whole lot from just having those informal conversations. I see usertesting.com as an example where they... So you're not, you're not, you're basically, yeah, sorry. Uh, you, so you're, you're not talking really about, I mean, you, you can say, okay, this, this doesn't make sense to me, or I don't get what happens when I push this button, or I'm just overwhelmed by information. I can't find it on the page. Just basic usability issues can easily be found by the kind of naive visitor or naive stand-in for your actual visitors. It doesn't have to be some super specific, knowledgeable uh, pool of people drawn from your exact target group, right? Yeah, it doesn't have to be. The, the, the caution to that, though, is that that user who maybe isn't your target customer 
may not have the subject matter expertise to give you feedback on content. So when we talk about commerce, you know, there's a lot of websites that we all shop at, and so we're, we're qualified to be a user. But when we get to industries, um, you know, computer-aided design or anything that's more sophisticated, or even when you talk about pharmaceutical websites, where if I'm not the, the, the patient or caregiver or somebody that's being diagnosed with the condition, then I can't really speak to the content and whether that's going to drive conversion. Yeah, fair enough. So that, uh, yeah, we have, uh, we had one client, for example, that sells industrial power generators from everything from marine applications to oil fields and, and so on. And unless, you know, you know what you're looking for and, um, you're probably not going to be able to navigate that website as a, as a user, user testing subject. Absolutely. And so you, we have to take it the user testing type research with the grain of salt. It, it's absolutely valuable. We encourage our customers to do that when it's appropriate, but it doesn't replace the recruitment of target customers and putting them in front of your website to get that additional feedback that is going to be important and moving forward and, and creating an environment that promotes conversion. Okay, so it sounds like if you're talking about broad-based consumer uh, segments, uh, e-commerce of items that we typically you know, can buy or interact with, you know, clothes, furniture, household items, basic uh, software packages for, uh, or sorry, uh, services like cable TV or something like that, something we all have experience with, then I think uh, we're good. But if, if you have something more specific, you definitely need actual people from your target segment. Well, I know we could keep talking for hours. Uh, Scott, thank you for your time. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I really appreciate you being on the show. No problem. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And listeners, uh, stay tuned for our next segment, and we'll see you on the flip side. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.